All right, this is lesson number two on the nature of authority. We are calling it stewarding authority. And these lessons certainly are very timely and necessary. This is a concept that we are already operating in. We perhaps just haven't had the words to explain it and understand it. Well, like with anything, if you understand the concept and you can uh, understand the mechanics of it, then you can, use har- you can use it and harness it to your advantage. And my hope with all these lessons is that we understand maybe why we aren't going anywhere in life or maybe why we're hurting or why other people are surpassing us. It's all going to come back to authority and stewardship. Almost everything in our life is a stewardship, and God rewards stewardship. And if we're not properly stewarding, then we're not going to go anywhere in life, and that is a waste of a human existence to simply live, breathe, and die. God has appointed us in the earth to do something great for him, and the more we can be entrusted with authority, the higher we can go in him and do greater things. All right. So let's review some of these definitions. Authority is the right or power to make decisions, to give orders, or to enforce obedience. We'll read it again. The right or power to make decisions, to give orders, and to enforce obedience. That is a textbook definition of authority. In that regard, we all have some measure of authority. We are all authorized over something. Authority has three limiters. We looked at this in the last lesson. lesson. Domain, that is the area over which you're authorized. Scope, that is the assignment, the degree to which you are to change things or enforce things. And then time limit, At some point, you're either demoted, you're either promoted out of that, or you pass away. And then the thing we'll keep saying over and over again over the course of all these lessons is that the premier purpose of authority is to create and maintain peace and harmony wherever men are found. And the first place men are found is in you. You are the first domain. So authority is over your thoughts. Authority is over your mind. Authority is over your appetites. And this concept is stewarding authority. That's the purpose of this lesson. If we fail to steward authority and use it for its intended purpose, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer loss. Without us stewarding authority, we will lack peace. Whenever we lack peace, if the, if the chaos gets extreme enough, God will step in with mercy and replace us that we might have peace. A simple concept, if you're on the job and your boss has entrusted you with peace, over stocking the milk section at a grocery store. That's your authorization. You do dairy. I'm the dairy guy. My job is to make sure dairy is ordered. My job is to make sure dairy is put out there. My job is to make sure if dairy expires, we remove it. That's my job. That's my authorization. I'm not authorized over bread. I'm not authorized over salmon. I'm not authorized over cereal. I'm over milk and dairy. You and I understand that if we fail to steward and bring peace and harmony to the dairy section and people start getting sick because we leave the dairy out there, it expires, they're drinking solid curd and not whole milk, then we know we'll be replaced. And someone else will take our place that there might be peace and harmony over the dairy. Apply that to every area of your life. And if you and I fail to steward the authority to create and enforce peace and harmony, then God in his mercy will replace us and something will take us, or take our place, and take our authority that there might be peace and harmony. Worst case scenario, you refuse to enforce peace and harmony over your mind, God will remove from you your rights. They called a 6404 in modern parlance where the police have the ability to take away from you your rights and commit you to a doctor's care because you're crazy. 6404, that means you failed. 
and we're going to get you help because you didn't take care of yourself. Now, it's a spiritual principle that the world understands and the church doesn't. That's why this lesson is so important. The doctrines of free will and authority are interwoven. Free will and authority are interwoven. The concept of free will implies that every human has been authorized to make decisions, good or bad. When you're in the military, you don't have a free will. Is that right, Robert? No free will. You have no authorization. You just march. You jump. That's all you get to do. There is no free will in the military. Now there is, but you can also be court-martialed. <laughs> this is the authorization to choose. Mercifully, the Bible then aids us in our decision-making by commanding, choose life. We're authorized, and then the Bible has to tell us what choice to make because we are that dumb sometimes. However, the opportunity to foolishly choose death presents yet two more doctrinal concepts. That is the concept of personal responsibility, which our nation is becoming more and more allergic to every day, and the concept of stewardship of authority. The fact that you can choose life or choose death means we're responsible. There's a doctrine that we don't see as a doctrine. We call it common sense, but most things spiritual are common sense. And then also, because you can choose life or choose death, there is the stewardship of authority. We must steward the right to choose so that we choose properly. It, going back to our milk section or dairy aisle, we can choose to be negligent, choose to be lazy, choose to not care, choose to disregard the assignment, and in that regard, we're choosing death. And typically, it'll be the death of our own career or the death of our own authorization. Personal responsibility as a doctrine implies that every decision made has a consequence or reward for which the individual is solely responsible. The stewardship of authority then naturally extends from personal responsibility and means we will give an account for what we do or don't do with our authority. Remember, all authority has been given to create and maintain peace and harmony. You cannot show me any authorization, legitimate authorization, that the end game isn't peace and harmony. On your job, peace and harmony. Police, peace and harmony. Military, peace and harmony. School teacher, peace and harmony. Mom and dad, peace and harmony. Governments, peace and harmony. They don't all do it right. We don't all do it right. But the end game, the purpose, the will of God is peace and harmony for all authority. So we can judge ourselves right now. Am I using the authorization I've been given properly? If it is, if I have, then there should be more peace and harmony in the things I'm presiding over. You and I understand that there are certain people that everything under them is chaos and disorder. You and I understand that you go to some places and you think, I don't want to work under that leader because there's chaos and disharmony. I don't want to be a part of that company. There's chaos and disorder. I don't want to be in that department. I don't want to march in that platoon. It's chaos and disorder. Because leadership steers the fellowship. Extreme predestinationism, which is also called determinism, is devoid of a concept of genuine authorization because everything that happens is predetermined. That's their concept. Determinism means everything is predetermined and you and I have no say in it. Therefore, by default, it's completely devoid of any concept of authority. And then there's other doctrines that then crumble afterwards because everything is seen through the scope of determinism. 
There's no demonology. There's no authority over devils. There's no authority over sickness. There's no authority over your mind. Everything that happens, happens because God determined it. And who are you, O pot of clay? It's lunacy. Determinism inherently incriminates God as the author of confusion since it views all behavior as predetermined and the world is clearly in a state of perpetual chaos. We reject in this church determinism and see man's decision-making as the cause of all disorder in the earth. What's the point of writing epistles to the Corinthians if they don't have a right to choose to keep things decently and in order? Remember, the premier purpose of authority is to create and maintain peace and harmony wherever men are found. That doesn't mean we're always bold, doesn't mean we're always confident, doesn't mean we're always courageous enough to enforce our authority. But please hear me, if you and I don't do the hard thing that authority requires of us, we will lose that authority and it will be given to another better than us. This explains why some Christians go nowhere in the kingdom and nowhere in their career. If you're going to be authorized, you have to rock the boat sometimes. Amen. Developing authority in childhood. As covered in the previous lesson, every human has been bequeathed a measure of authority. Over the course of an individual's life, their initial measure of authority can be increased through stewardship and promotion or decreased through neglect. So please hear me on that. If you're going to serve God proper, you should see the realms and layers of authorization increase in your life. We do not want to go to heaven having never experienced any higher levels of authority than our childhood. Now, granted, as you get older, you start stepping down from certain levels of authority because you just aren't strong anymore. You just, even like the doctor, Charles Stanley, who just passed away. He passed away in his 90s. That's wonderful, biblical. He loved God to the end, faithful to the end, clean to the end. But he wasn't in charge of everything in the end. His body was becoming frail. He was a pastor emeritus or whatever their title was. He wasn't calling the day-to-day shots anymore. But that wasn't demotion because of failure. That was, let me step back now and let the next generation take my place. That's honorable. But he had experienced great promotion in life because of his fidelity to God and his proper stewardship over the authority he'd been given. We are not to die having never experienced anything more than high school authority. And yet, because the church is full of consumers and not producers, most Christians do live that testimony. They live and die, and they never experience any promotion in authority, not even on their job. They just want to go get a paycheck and go home. They they live the American prophecy of TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. They live for the weekend, which is a horrible thing to live for. When you live for God, you even forget what day of the week it is because you're too busy living for God. Part of the responsibility of parenting is to teach children how to use and steward their God-given authority. As a child develops, their authority, that is scope and domain, naturally increases. Consider the demonstrations of authority and the following parent-child developmental milestones. So think about this. Think about children growing in terms of authority. Children learn, infants learn very quickly that their crying draws parental support, parental aid. They learn as an infant authority. I cry, they come. This has been proven when the Berlin Wall came down, communism failed, because it always does, except it doesn't fail to ruin people's lives. 
And they went into all the orphanages of the Eastern Bloc countries and they found babies that didn't cry anymore because they were never tended to. Infants that didn't cry. They just laid there in pain and misery, but they learned to not cry because it didn't help anybody. But when babies are brought up in healthy environments, they learn that my crying brings help. That's authorization. They flex the cry, mommy comes. They flex the cry, daddy comes. Children learn to reach up and out for parental aid. We've all seen that. The little, we call them the lobster hands. That is, hold me. And what, what loving adult can resist that? You instantly submit, even if it's not even your kid. No, how can I not pick that thing up? And then they just want to be held. But they authorized, they, they flexed their authorization. You obeyed so they could submit. Just hold me and keep me safe. The parents' first use of no, no. We've all heard that. Those of us that are parents have said it a trillion times. No, no. Initiates the concept of authority, much as God pointed to the tree of knowledge of good and evil and said, no, no. Consequently, most children's first words that they learn are not dada, not mama. No, no. Is it not true? It's authorization. They're looking at mom and dad and they're learning, they're, they're about to learn that they don't have authority to tell mom and dad no, no, but it's still a lesson in authorization. Children learn to hold a spoon and feed themselves, exercising dominion over their spoon, their food, and their hungry tummy. And should they learn to make a catapult out of that spoon, they are also taught their authorization does not extend to catapulting peas <laughs> or mush. That little hand gets slapped. No, no. And they, hmm. Hopefully they're not 16 still doing that. <laughs> Children learn mobility and autonomous movement. They also learn to come when called or flee if so desired. This is them learning free will. Learning to scoot away from mom or scoot to mom or to crawl to mom or to crawl away from mom. When children learn to speak, a new realm of authority is open. That is asking, commanding, declining, etc. Often the first demonstration of authority is the echo of the word no. This is a demonstration of the will and the understanding of domain and authority. When that child looks at mom and dad the very first time and says, no. Well, they're about to have a severe lesson in that they just exceeded their scope and their domain. And they learn very quickly Okay, I have authorization for my spoon. I have authorization over my toy. I have authorization to be picked up. I have authorization to call for help. I don't have authorization to spit food out or to defiantly with an attitude say no. And hopefully, if you're a good parent, you're teaching them the guidelines for their authorization because your boss has done it to you. This is how you can go. This is what we can order. This is what you can say. This is your zone. This is your department. It's almost insulting that businesses have to have zones to communicate to their employees, this is your zone, stay here. That's your zone, zone management, because people have scope creep. You see all of this spiritual concept reflected in our modern business terminology. And if we're not careful, we'll do it and ruin our lives. We'll get out of our lane and out of our scope and out of our domain and cut our time short. Children learn to clean up after themselves and exercise authority over the domain of their room. And you should be teaching your children to exercise authority over what is theirs and teach them not to be busy bodies or nosy rosies. 
that's none of your business. Leave it alone. Why are you worried about your sibling's room? Yours is a dump. I tell our kids, we're not white trash. My kids understand the concept of white trash. That term is offensive to some people, but I'm not raising white trash. We're not trailer babies. That term's offensive to some people too, but I'm communicating to my children. God has given us this stuff. Let's take care of it. We're not a bunch of raccoons. We're not trash pandas. Clean up your room. If you want more, take care of it. Bud Bud wants a new G.I. Joe. And he's really, for a five-year-old, he's really good at keeping up with G.I. Joe because they each come with about 15 weapons. He knows where all their weapons are. He has about 20 of these guys. And he can tell me whose backpack is where. He wants another one, and I've got to split halves with him on it because it's costly. G.I. Joe prices have gone through the roof. It's by inflation, and I'm not happy that my G.I. Joes are costing twice what they should. I said, son, I just told him this morning, before we go buy Beachhead, that's the new G.I. Joe he wants, I want you to lay out all your G.I. Joes, and I want you to assign them all their weapons because I want to make sure I know, you know where they're at, and I want to make sure you know how to take care of your toys. Yes, Daddy. Now, he's motivated. So before I get home from church this afternoon from Pastor Caleb's, he will have all of his G.I. Joes laid out, their backpacks, their guns, their knives, their weapons, their animals, because some of them have attack animals. It's pretty cool when you can weaponize a pet and not use it as a child. <laughs> weaponize it. And he'll say, all right, Daddy, can we order him now? Stewardship, because I am not white trash. And I don't have a poverty mindset. Neither will my children. Children should learn authority over their emotions and body. That's mom and dad's responsibility. Your kids should not be the stinky kids. Your kids should not be the crazy kids. When their emotions start coming online, you have to take time to disciple them and show them how to handle their emotions. Uh, well, I'm just tired. I understand but you can still tell you're an emotional mess, so get a hold of yourself. Tired is no excuse. But kids who use tired as an excuse become adults who use tired as an excuse, and they never ever apologize for being rude. Rude is never acceptable. I don't care what's happened. You can flex authority and dominion over emotions. The child may grow to be entrusted with new authority over younger siblings or not. And the child may grow to be entrusted with new authority over a job and a vehicle, or not. Either way, children learn very young, very quickly, authority. And we didn't probably even realize we were teaching it to them, but it's so innate in our creation. We understand domain. They say possession is nine-tenths of the law. That is, your authority over your belongings comprises nine-tenths of the civil code. Don't steal. That's most of it right there. Why don't you steal? It's not your domain. It's not your possession. It's not your authorization. You can't take it. Lydia was probably four or five years old, and uh, she was wanting to do something in the church. And I said, sweetie, we don't, we don't do protocol. We don't have protocol for that. And she said, well, the, the, the teacher won't let me. I said, well, it's because it's not our protocol. And she said, Daddy, but you're in charge, and they have to do whatever you tell them. So just tell them, and I can do it. And I said, sweetie, that's never how this is going to work. We don't manipulate people, and Daddy's not giving you special favors around here unless you've earned it, and I'm willing to give it to anybody. So you, I've thought, that's a sharp kid. Got to watch out for this one. This one's this one. <laughs> Five years old, or maybe six, understanding how the whole concept works. Your kids even learn, you're not the boss of me. They'll look at their big sibling. You're not the boss of me. I had to spank two of my kids the other day because one of them said, you're not mommy. Because they understand who's in charge of their life. I said, both of you go stand by the paddle. We're not having a fight over this. 
Neither one of them is your mommy, but I'm about to be daddy, so I'm going to wear this thing out. <laughs> uh, the problem with this new generation is they weren't parented at all, so they have no concept of authority. And they're miserable because mom and dad failed them. So they look for peace through screeching. And maybe that's how they got attention from mom and dad was screeching. And now they do it to the police and they do it to professors and they do it to politicians and it's not good. Through trial, error, and parenting, children naturally learn what authority is and how to use it. Children that learn authority will be entrusted sooner and further by their parents because they can be trusted to be a source of peace and not chaos. The end game is peace. If something in your life is producing chaos, you and I are misusing our authorization. Honestly, there should be no chaos in anything that's under our authority. If there's chaos anywhere in your life, you better make sure it's something you don't have authority over, in which case you have to endure. Maybe it's your boss's failure. Maybe it's your city's failure. Maybe it's the police's failure. Maybe it's daddy's failure. But it shouldn't be your failure. If there's any chaos under your domain, that is your fault, and you must rectify it ASAP. Failure to learn to exercise and communicate will severely hinder one's destiny. The li their lives will be filled with chaos and confusion. Failure to learn authority over one's emotion, uh, emotions will lead to a life of crippling instability. Conversely, learning to use and steward authority in childhood will result in a successful, confident, victorious adulthood. Now, I have pastored us now almost 16 years, going on 16 years. That is a wonderful psychological experiment. Because when I took over, the children that were four and five are now adults in careers. And I've done this enough now to watch who's failing and who's succeeding. And I can almost always prophesy without the Holy Spirit the success and trajectory of young children. These lessons are based on not just doctrine and scripture, but lots of observation. I stand in the pulpit and I judge each and every one of you in your walk with Christ because that's what I'm called of God to do. I don't condemn, but I do judge. And I just sermons based on what I come up with, what I observe. And those that hear, hear and do better. And those that don't, march on and their kids embarrass them. Amen. Because everything rises and falls on authority and dominion. Some kids you raise so well, you could put them in a communist hellhole. And they'll convert the whole of the crew and bring about revival. Other kids, you fail so miserably, you can put them in a premier, spirit-filled, holy Christian college, and they'll figure out how to sleep with everybody there. And both kids can come from the same youth group. And the only difference is the home life. And they'll blame me for preaching against the sin. And I'm not the problem. The failure of authority is the problem. The pathway, their pathway would be filled with peace. The kid who's learned to be a steward over authority. Successful, authoritative parenting results in successful, authoritative children. And that's why you get 18 years according to our government, 13 years according to our God, to raise a kid to understand authority. Stewarded authority in adulthood. So let's go from kids now to adults. Everything in life rises and falls on levels of authority and how well they are stewarded. Remember, the purpose of authority is to produce peace. Consider some other key elements to stewarding authority. Let me add this. If, as an extreme example, because this just comes to me, if I'm always screaming and yelling to get what I want, 
that's how my kids will live life. If I'm an emotional mess, my kids, most of them, will learn to be emotional messes. If my kids see calm, cool, collected prayer, stern when needed to be stern, merciful when needed to be merciful, my kids will absorb the same DNA. Uh, one of our soccer games recently, uh, one of the kids got red carded and ejected for cussing. This is a, a U10, a, a U, U12, under 12 soccer team. One of the kids is out there dropping F-bombs. I was proud of Lydia because he's a bigger kid because it's guys and girls. And Lydia told him, you need to shut your mouth. I was proud of Lyd, but that gets her in trouble at home because she never said that at home because she knows she'd get her clock clean. But the reason that boy is dropping F-bombs is because he learned that at home. And then I found out from one of the other parents, his dad got a red card last week for dropping F-bombs from the sideline. Children are a reflection of us. If you're frustrated with your kids, think about how God views you. All right, I don't want this to be parenting, but anyway. Consider some other key elements to stewarding authority. Number one, knowledge. To properly steward authority requires a knowledge of the domain, scope, and time limit of the entrusted power. Evaluate where, what, what kind, and for how long you and I where are we currently responsible for peace? We need to know where does God or our boss or our authority, our head, where do they look for us to produce peace? And if we know where and what kind and for how long, we can quickly evaluate, am I a successful steward over authority or not? Scope and domain inform us of when and how we're failing. And we have to constantly evaluate this in our lives. The first and foremost place for, for, to produce peace is in our own soul, not even our family. Us first. Us first. Because if you don't have peace, your marriage never will. And if your marriage doesn't have peace, your kids never will. And if your home doesn't have peace, you're not going to be stable enough or focused enough to be able to be entrusted on the job to bring about greater levels of peace. Because you're too distracted. Knowing your domain will prevent you from becoming a busybody. Busybodies mind everyone's business but their own. Knowing your scope will prevent you from becoming an overworked Martha. Marthas exhaust themselves doing work that was never assigned to them. So don't be a busybody and don't be overworked. Know your lane because that's all God's going to judge you for. Your boss is not going to judge you for failing the Thailand division because you're not over the Thailand division. But if you're failing the Sparta division and you're in the Sparta division, you're in trouble. So number one, to be able to properly steward authority, we need to have knowledge of our domain, scope, and time limit. And this is pretty easy stuff, but we communicate these principles so we can use them. Number two is oversight. To properly steward requires keen, a keen eye for what's out of sorts and therefore lacking peace. Overseeing a domain requires constant judgment and correction. I like bringing it back to parenting because kids can wake up wonderful and before 10 a.m. you're having to wear them all out and take stuff away from them. That takes oversight. If you run a business, the day can go out, start off great. Before long, if you're overseeing contractors, one of your subordinates got in a fight with another contractor subordinate. Now there's a fist fight at a Kentucky Fried Chicken job site. Well, that fell apart quick. The colonel is not pleased. <laughs> overseeing a domain requires constant judgment and correction judging the domain then correcting what is out of line oversight takes diligence and enforcement 
Can you see where peace is lacking in your domain? Where do we lack peace? This is, these lessons are not just for education, but for practical application. What under your shadow lacks peace? Is it you, your family, your kids, your money, your car? Is it your house? Is it your department, your division? Is it your investments? What? You've been authorized to take care of it. The problem with socialism is it feeds on people's irresponsibility. And they will neglect a socialist or an individual who's addicted to socialism and welfare will totally reject the responsibility of God and then expect me or you to make up for their stupidity and irresponsibility. And it's sin. Right now, it's government-subsidized sin. And the world's looking to get more of it. Can you see where peace is lacking in your domain? Under oversight, I wanted to break this down because oversight takes diligence and enforcement. So under diligence, we say to properly steward authority requires great diligence. Creating and maintaining peace is hard work. Could you be doing more to manifest peace in your domain? So the verse that always comes to my mind with this is be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. This is a pastor's commandment, but it can be your business, your job, your kids. Your kids could be your flock. Your job could be your herds. It takes diligence. Most people don't want to be promoted because they know it means more work. If you have trouble showing up for work a little bit early and staying a little bit late, you're not asking for promotion. You're asking for a free paycheck. It takes diligence. It also takes enforcement. And this is where a lot of other people fail. They can see what's wrong, but they don't want to rock the boat. They're like grandma. They just want to keep the peace. The problem is there is no peace. It's one thing to know, it's another to watch, it's the third to stay vigilant, but something altogether to confront the problem and resolve the issue depriving your domain of peace. Sometimes you have to rock the boat. Sometimes you have to break eggs. Sometimes you have to kill friendships. Sometimes you have to fire people. Being authorized is not for the faint of heart, nor is it for the spineless. We have to be willing to do what it takes to keep peace. If you can't do the hard thing, you'll never be in charge. If you can't be rough on occasion, you'll never be in charge. Remember, our God destroys whole cities for sin. He broke off the Jews for their rebellion and grafted in Gentiles. If you can't do the hard thing, if you're addicted to American love, you'll never be authorized by God because biblical love is not American love. Where do you cower from enforcing peace? The Bible has a commandment. Seek peace and pursue it. That takes work. Where do you and I cower from rocking the boat? Where are you afraid to lose a friendship or lose a smile or a like or a follower, you're not going to answer to any nut job on social media. So why obey them now? Fail any of these four areas long enough, knowledge, oversight, diligence, enforcement, and peace will be compromised. When peace is absent, chaos will fill the void. Should the domain you steward belong to another, that is your boss, a parent, a pastor, a superintendent, teacher, etc., the individual derelict in their duties will undoubtedly face replacement because whoever's in charge does not want chaos under them. 
The question is, why do you and I tolerate chaos under us? Should the derelict be a business owner, their rivals will gain their market share, eventually putting the negligent individual out of business. They, I, I like what one man observed. He said, everybody complains that Walmart's putting the mom and pop shop out of business. To which he said, well, Walmart was once a mom and pop shop business till they got their act together. Sam Walton started a little five and dime, became Walmart, tried to compete with Kmart. Kmart felt like it was going to gobble up everything. And where's Kmart today? They will be then demoted to working for someone else. This is the individual business owner. They'll be demoted and have to work for someone else in hopes of learning how to steward the authority they were first given but failed to use. God's system makes sure that if you fail authority, you get demoted, you get put back under somebody else's so you can learn what it should look like. The manifestations of peace. Authority creates and maintains peace differently depending upon the situation over which it presides. Whether it's a family, a church, a sports team, a business, a platoon, the pattern is the same. When stewarded properly, authority creates the following things. Number one, a hierarchy. Authority by default produces a hierarchy. Communism wants all things in common. It's insane. It's retarded. It's heresy. Authority, as we covered in the last lesson, in economic subordinationism or economic Trinitarianism, flows from the Father to the Son by the Holy Ghost into the earth and then through tributaries down to the infant who submits to all levels of authority, not even knowing what it is yet. By nature, if someone is in charge, everyone else is not. Without a clear hierarchy, subordinates don't know who to turn to or for what. Anything with two heads is a freak, and communes equally... Authorized leaders quickly descend into confusion and chaos. Usually the loudest mouth wins. Is your realm clear on who's in charge? No hierarchy, no peace. Pretty simple. Someone has to be in charge. When everybody equally is, you have the blind leading the blind. Manifestation peace creates organization of vision. Leadership, because we have a hierarchy in place, establishes both long-term and short-term vision. What's the purpose of day-to-day -day existence? Where are we going? Uh, how, how, do we, how soon do we want to get there? Vision drives everything else, but vision is not a shared thing on a commune or equal board. Business Co-equal business partnering is not wise at all. Co-equal business partnering is insane. Our greatest, most influential companies worked well when their founding visionary came back like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Howard Schultz at Starbucks, Jeff Bezos. When those visionaries were in charge and it was their vision, those companies became billion-dollar companies in less than 20 years. From basement to billion-dollar, Fortune 520 years is the work of a visionary, not a co-labor, co-partner deal. It never works. It never works. Vision drives everything else. Without a vision, the people cast off restraint. Does your realm have clear vision? No vision, no peace. Protocols. Protocols are reverse engineered from vision. Protocols ensure the bigger picture is accomplished. Without protocols, subordinates don't know what to do or how to do it. It is the leadership's responsibility to establish organizational protocols. A lack of protocol will always result in chaos. Chaos. 
Does your realm have clear and enforced protocols? Because no protocols, no peace. And we would say no peace, no prosperity, no profits. Next is organization of people. Protocols will always help to organize the people. Organized people are more disciplined, better utilized, feel secure, help advance the vision, and produce a harmonious peace. Organized people easily maintain unity. Are those in your domain organized? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And we would say no organization, no peace. And I'm telling you, a business, a household, a schoolroom, a church cannot operate very long without these things. Not without becoming a hippie thing. And that never works because eventually somebody defecates in the watering hole and somebody brings in poison weed and now we're all sick hallucinating unwillingly. Organization of items. Protocols don't just organize people. Protocols always include tidiness because disorganization is materialistic chaos. How about your house? Can it be described as materialistic chaos? Hoarders and clutterers lack internal peace. We've made them sideshow. We've made them HGTV programs now. Is your realm organized materialistically? Because no organization, no peace. Authority is a stewardship. Well-stewarded authority is rewarded with more authority. Poorly stewarded or failed authority will almost always be met with demotion. Luke 19. And Jesus said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, or the authority, and give it to him that has ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he already has a lot of authority. I'm going to kind of insert that there. But Jesus said, I send you, that unto everyone which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Those that steward authority will be given more authority. Those that fail with what authority they've been given shall be stripped and be put at the lowest rung. And it'll be humiliating. Just exactly what that demotion looks like varies. Will it be demotion? Loss of business, loss of finances, loss of influence, loss of reputation, loss of life, all of the above, only God knows. But none of it will be pleasurable or praiseworthy. So we must learn to master the level of authority we've been given today so that we can be entrusted with more authority tomorrow. Amen.